Coming to you live from a fogged out apartment somewhere in the United States, it's the TH Cinema Podcast. Join us as we journey along the path to Pattinson. Welcome, everybody, to the TH Cinema Podcast. My name is Dan, and with me, as always, is the uh, lobster and seagull to my grizzled lighthouse keeper. I can't wait for you to understand these references. <laughs> the nutty buddy and cosmic brownie to my zebra cakes. Yeah. Check out the Insta. <laughs> Snort. Hello. Silent John. Hello. And Frank couldn't be here tonight. So we just finished getting really high. <laughs> I think this may be the highest that we've been for a comeback yet. Yeah, my heart is racing over here. I'm so high right now. We're all really high. <sighs> so yeah, so tonight is the first uh, episode of The Path to Pattinson. As we uh, lead into our Batman viewing come March... Move past the vampires in late of February. <laughs> and John has picked our first Pattinson film. The Lighthouse. It's a, it's a very tough movie to describe. I don't, I don't know how much I'm going to give away but before we get into it. But it's one I'm excited to show the both of you. It's very interesting to say the least. There's a lot of different opinions on it. And I just really hope you guys get something out of it. Well, I am excited as hell to watch this. It's been on my list for a while, but it always struck me as one of those, like, got to be in that mood yeah. type of movie to watch. So I haven't delved into it, so I'm really excited for it. But before we do, uh, we did have a little bit of news this week we wanted to go over. Uh, they did announce, as per our uh, predictions, the SCU has started. All right, so they are going to be going ahead with the Scream 6. That came out this week, um, as per our Scream predictions. Yeah, I think as fellow screamers, we're all kind of excited for it. Yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, they kind of nailed the the requel, and so I'm really excited. I don't know what they're going to do now with Dewey being dead. Like, how do you do a Scream movie without David? Like, I honestly think there's not been a Scream movie without a David Arquette. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right. Yeah, he's been in all of them in some kind of way. What if this thing, like, the studio saw the potential, like, oh, Scream was big at the box house, blah, 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 but they failed to take into account the Arquette of it all. Arquette was the only thing keeping it all together. Dang. He was the glue of the Screamverse? He was the glue of the SCU. I never thought of it that way, but it makes total sense now. Yeah. So this thing could just fall on its face very bad. Uh, odds are Nev Campbell's not going to come back and do another one. Odds are Courtney Cox isn't going to come back and do another one. But if we get the cult of Ghostface, <laughs> oh, all in on the SCU. Yeah, I just, I have no idea of what they will do because, yeah, I think they could do absolutely like anything. So I'm just excited to see what it is. It's going to be Dewey's illegitimate son. Mark my words, Scream 6. You know, at this point, I wouldn't put that past them. It's totally in the realm of possibility, and it's a curveball. Still at the same time. It's expected, but still a curveball. Okay, well, aside from SCU, we did get a bunch of Netflix stuff this week as well. Uh, Netflix came out and just plopped it on the table. <laughs> that big old 2022 trailer dick. Oh my. Flop. 
And boy, was it a long one. <laughs> so I don't think I've ever seen something as impressive. <laughs> something so massive. Oh, my God. Something so engorging. Okay, this has to stop. <laughs> I cannot anymore. So Netflix came out this week and dropped a trailer for their upcoming 2022 slate. And by God, it is one of the most ridiculously stuffed things I've ever fucking seen. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of something for everybody. There's a lot of things to be intrigued by, I think. Um, I, I stumbled upon a Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio, and I'm into that. Yeah, Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio. That's stop motion and creepy as fuck, which, you know. That's Guillermo del Toro. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And I'm into it. Yeah, there was so much stuff in there that I am so excited about, but it just went by so fast, too. So it's, it was overwhelming to watch, but very exciting. Yeah, there was a lot going on, and I think that's what they were trying to you know yeah we're gonna oversaturate your stimulus with or your stimuli with uh all of this try to figure it all out um from a production standpoint the trailer was probably one of the most impressive sizzle reels i've ever seen aside from outside of the marvel phase like oh phase two phase two, no, no. Yeah. the little bits where they were turning to the camera and talking to the trailer like the weren't dialogue from the movie yeah like being like while you're shooting that having that kind of forethought that like hey i should do this a little bit because we're going to make this massive trailer and they're talking about a movie every week Mm -hmm. which that's an impressive schedule that's a movie theater like netflix has become a movie theater they've got a-list stars in almost every single one of these academy award winners all over the fucking place academy award nominees all over the place and they're dropping a new one every week ridiculous yeah it's like don't look up was just like the little teaser for this upcoming year like, that was our little treat before it all starts rolling in. It was like a little appetizer, like like a little tiny bagel bite, you know? Yeah, <laughs> or a pizza roll. <laughs> Cooked just right with the crunchy tips. No, and you've got, you know, like I said, A-listers all over the place. I mean, I saw Ryan Reynolds pop up. I saw fucking Mark Wahlberg in there. Like, like I said, one of the most impressive sizzle reels I've ever fucking seen in my life. Yeah, and I don't think that every movie is going to be a hit by any means but you can't deny like you said how impressive the the content that they're going to be spitting out for the whole entire year is like it it covers every demographic there's going to be probably some really fantastic movies just like you said based on the cast alone yeah like the adam sandler uh basketball movie i lost my shit when i saw that i don't care how bad it ends up being I'm already on board. Oh, no. It's going to be amazing. Like, this is not Adam Sandler, grown-ups Adam Sandler. This is Uncut Gems Adam Sandler, and this is a topic that he's, you know, this is one of his fucking things. See? I can attest that when Silent John was watching this trailer with me, he was kicking his legs in excitement when it popped up on the screen. I had an audible reaction. That's <laughs> it, it takes a lot to get that out of me watching, a, like, a fucking trailer. Or even, it was just a little snippet, and it got me. I was like, I'm in. Yeah, because like you said, he's passionate. Adam Sandler is basketball. Ball is life. Sandler is life. Come on. So what other movies are you guys excited about from the trailer? Uh, The Jonah Hill movie looks really good. Yeah. Looks like it's going to be very solid. Yeah. I'm intrigued by the whole premise of it. Yeah, the Ryan Gosling. What is it? The Gray Man? Chris Evans is in it? Yeah. With that fucking stash? Yeah, Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling in a movie together. And the guy from uh, Bridgerton. I really loved that show, and I don't know anything else he's done, so I'm very excited to see him in something else. 
Yeah, Bridgerton was huge. So, like, just another example of, like, an all-star cast member popping up Mm. in a Netflix original film. Yeah. Which wasn't Bridgerton a Netflix show? Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Netflix out here producing stars. Netflix is full on Disneying this year. That's that's what they're they, doing this they year. Really they're going are. full Disney. We're going to lock them motherfuckers into contracts. We're going to lock them into movie deals. And we're going to drop a movie every goddamn week. Marvel, you got a movie a month? Fuck you. Dun dun. Because <laughs> think too, like with a lot of people having so many streaming services, I know we've tried to do it, cut back on some of them because you just realize you have so many that you don't need. All those people that have cut Netflix out, oh, they're coming back. Oh, yeah. They, you got all these movies. This is how you get people back to Netflix. Well, and recently, I think I read that Netflix is raising their price. And I, I know it's tradition. They've done this for years and years in a row now. But that came out. And once again, people complained about it. They're like, oh, why are they doing this? I can just jump ship to, you know, blah, 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 this streaming service. Like you said, Snort. And to me, it's just funny to just a couple of days ago read everybody dogging on netflix and then they do this i was like oh my god netflix you're so nice you're so good yeah it was definitely a uh, bait and switch but it worked but it worked <laughs> i'm excited yeah. i was i was kind of irritated i'm like why are they gonna pay more but now i get it i'm gonna be paying for netflix anyway so even that ryan reynolds like little action flick i'm gonna watch that, that you know you have a yeah. reason it looks to, fun yeah. why not why the fuck not you know what i can't wait to see what's that the movie we're gonna watch tonight oh that little thing huh yeah, that little lighthouse. I too am excited. I it's a movie that I really, really, really have been wanting to rewatch recently. Didn't think I would be able to get you guys on board, but here we are. I think uh, we're in the best mindset to watch this movie. I've read a lot of things online that being high just enhances the experience. So this is kind of new for me too, trying it out this way, and knowing what I know about the movie, it just fills me with joy to hear what your thoughts are going to be once we get to the end of this thing. That makes me even more excited to watch it now that people suggest watching it high. Well, because correct me if I'm wrong, but the first time you tried to watch this, or you uh, took a little catnap? Yeah, but not because I didn't like it. I just, it just happens sometimes. You just fall asleep. Like, I didn't fall asleep on purpose. So I am excited to try and watch it again. I did not get far into it last time. Um, I will preface this uh, and say that we've done it in the past, but we've kind of slowed down. But this might be a good movie to have subtitles on because it's very old timey with the dialogue in it. And it can be very hard to follow along with at times. And it's very important to follow along. Okay. Are we talking like uh, like old timey, like New England accents? Yeah. Is that what we're doing? Yeah. Because this is set in like the, the very late, like 1890s, like almost the turn of the century. So it, it's it's pretty old timey. So just a, just a little note there to, to anybody who else may want to watch this movie after hearing our reactions to it. I'm very excited to watch this movie. I mean, it's the first stop down the path to Pattinson. And like we were talking about last week, I'm not on board with the Pattinson train 100%. I'm excited mm-hmm. to see him in Batman, but because he's the sparkly vampire that he was, I've just put him kind of to the wayside. And I'm really excited to see this pick because with your recommendation, I'm all in on it that it's going to be good and he's going to put in a good performance and he's acting opposite Willem Dafoe, which is a great person to be acting second to. And and that's what I love about this movie is they're phenomenal together. They are the perfect pairing that you just had no idea could ever exist. And it just, it's an acting powerhouse to see, in my opinion. It's got probably my favorite Willem Dafoe performance ever. And to introduce you to Robert Pattinson in such a dynamic way to start, I think is, is a very, very fantastic way to go about this because we do have Twilight coming up. So I don't know a lot about this movie because you did want it to be kind of cold when we walked into it. Mm-hmm. 
But my thoughts about it walking in blind are that it's going to be kind of like a bottle episode where it's just them two. And in my opinion, anytime you just get an actor acting opposite no one or off just one person for the entire movie, Mm -hmm. you get either really, really good performances or really, really bad ones. You know, Tom Hanks cast away. Yeah. You know, Colin Farrell in Phone Booth, probably one of his best performances, just acting opposite a phone. You know, so this one I think has the potential in my mind to be my first favorite Pattinson movie. I feel like that's a very fair thing to say. That, to me, almost is kind of like the perfect description of this movie. It is kind of like a bottle episode. And I look at it as almost like a character study of these two guys. It's very character-driven. And it's a very like raw movie with, with these two characters. And it, it's definitely a fucking doozy that, that uh, they take you on. There's one thing I'll say about the movie. I, I looked into some some interviews earlier today. Um, that the director did at the time this movie came out. And there's a quote that he used to describe this movie. And I feel like this is all I want you to know before we actually watch it. Robert Eggers says that nothing good happens when two men are alone in a giant phallus. And that's what I want to leave you with entering this movie. Right on the table. Just Mm -hmm. right there like Netflix, baby. All right. All right. Well, are you ready to ride this giant phallus? I'm riding this phallus all the way to Batman, baby. Let's start the path. To Pattinson. Yeah. And now, our feature presentation. John found the movie, I bought the snacks, and we're back, and we just watched The Lighthouse. You're fond of me, Lighthouse, ain't ye? <laughs> I honestly am. This movie definitely put the uh, cinema into TH Cinema. Ooh, I like that. Nice little <laughs> tagline there. Do you do you guys see what I mean when I say this movie is definitely not for everybody? It's definitely a movie that you need to be in a certain mood to watch. Um, it's definitely a movie that is of a certain style and genre that you really have to be somebody that appreciates to enjoy thoroughly. I think it's either an all or nothing thing with this movie 100% from the opening scene. Yeah, this movie to me is a movie that if you can accept and embrace the overall weirdness of it and kind of how off the wall it becomes at different times, then you're going to be on board. If you're not into those weird things, though, probably don't give this movie a watch. Yeah, it was definitely a very surreal film. Which is going to it's going to make it tough to deconstruct a little bit. Yeah. It's not a very not a very linear story. Things just kind of happen. It, it's easy to pick up on the progression, but it's not a traditional, oh, here's two guys in a lighthouse and here's what happens to them. It's, oh, here's Willem Dafoe cooking up some food, some lobster, getting drunk, and then all of a sudden, here it is, Robert Pattinson, just wanking it a lot. <laughs> it's a very mixed bag for a movie. And it just has the it factor for me. I, I don't know what it is. To start with just how it looks, it is one of the most beautifully shot movies I have ever seen. I'm not typically a black and white fan, but this movie just does it with the black and white for me. I don't think this movie works if it was shot in color. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a sucker for a good gimmick and a good theme. And they just pretty much nailed it. This felt like a 1930s movie from from the opening. I mean, it's a 4-3 ratio. It's shot black and white, hard hard blacks. The score sounds very gritty and analog. It kind of gives you like the sense of dread like the whole time you're watching. It just makes things feel like off the whole time. Yeah, there's a lot of tension building, a lot of lingering long shots that yeah. kind of stay there. It's like uncomfortable yeah. to watch it. 
But yeah. you can't stop watching it. Yeah, and that's definitely what they were going for. And it definitely fits into that that theme. The One of the things that I did notice throughout the movie is they used a, uh, a single-point lighting. Yeah. Which is a very old, like, early age of cinema style of light. And it's funny you say that because I actually just read earlier that they... The director of this movie, Robert Eggers, he he worked with I think Panavision and got a whole bunch of really really old cameras. He had like five generations of like cameras that he was using for this film to kind of get that effect for it. He puts a lot of care into his work, and he's he's only done The Witch before this, which I haven't seen yet, and it kind of I don't know why after watching this and loving it. But yeah, he he made that a point of emphasis when shooting this film. Yeah, and I did a little bit of research on the director while we were watching it just because I was so impressed by what he was doing. He So yeah, like you said, he did The Witch. That was his big, his first big feature. Mm-hmm. He did like a couple of shorts before yeah, that. Yeah. But he also wrote both The Lighthouse and The Witch. Yeah. And he also is writing and directing the upcoming Norseman movie with uh, Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah, yeah. A, a very dark-looking Viking movie. I like the, Robert Eggers attached to a Viking movie after watching a movie like The Lighthouse. Yeah, I don't need it to be talked into that. Like, that sounds amazing to me. Yeah, there's the potential this could be my new favorite director. I mean, if I'm going to go watch The Witch after seeing what he's done here just to see what's going on there because I'm that impressed with this guy. On on the way over here, that's what I was just telling Snore is I really want to watch The Witch. Knowing we were rewatching this was going to ignite that feeling in me. And shoot, I might have to watch it tomorrow now. Like, that's, that's how much this movie resonates with me is he is in my opinion, very brilliant. And he's young and upcoming. And he's done two, almost three feature films. And to me, they're all going to be home runs. And I've only seen one of them. I did see that uh, on his IMDb, there is also a potential Nosferatu project in development. I have that in my notes. Which, um, yeah, while I was watching it, like that was kind of the feeling that I got from it for, for two reasons. One being the style of the movie, because yes. it's obviously very or similar to that era, but also because of Willem Dafoe, because he played Max Shrek yes. in yes. Shadow of the Vampire. Could you imagine if he got to make Nosferatu and Willem Dafoe came and reprised it, but it was a different, it was the Eggers universe, you know. Are we talking about a shared Nosferatu universe? It could be. In this day and age, you in know. NCU. I'm in. I'm 100% in. Yeah, and Willem Dafoe, uh, we'll get into it, but, I, you know, obviously his performance in this movie was just fucking downright amazing. Like, he was nominated for awards because of this, and I don't know if it was a tough award season or something, because he just blew this out of the water. He did not get nominated at the Oscars, and I know I disagree with that. This, to me, seems like it could be an Oscar-winning role. I mean, 2019 was a fantastic year in film. It was It was a tough year, but my goodness... What an acting masterclass he puts on. He just soaks into the role. While I was watching the movie, I actually thought there's a possibility Willem Dafoe was actually a lighthouse keeper from the 1800s (laughs) and somehow got transported to Hollywood. And he's like, I guess I'll just be an actor. See, I thought while he was filming this, he really did go mad. Like he went nuts. Like that was just really him. I don't know if anybody else pulls this role off, though. He is that good. Like, you could put the best of the best, and I still don't know if they would top his performance in this movie. Like, it just, the first time I watched this, I was in awe. Because it's so, at times it's so bizarre what you're witnessing him do. But in the scope of the story, it just fucking works. And he just hits it out of the fucking park. And it's like he's speaking, like, a different language, like, at the entire movie. He's very devoted into this character. Yeah, he was definitely all in on Thomas. Uh, 
So uh, with Spider-Man last month and, you know, Lighthouse this week, yes. we're kind of on a Willem walk right now, but that's not where we're really headed right <laughs> no, now. No, no. We're, we're on the path to Pattinson. And this being my first exposure to Pattinson in a formal setting. Yes. Uh, he was pretty much a blank slate walking into it for me. Like, I'm not influenced by his other roles or, you know, what he was and what he became in terms mm -hmm. of an actor. Like, I'm just watching him for the first time, pretty much. Yeah. And I was really taken taken by surprise. His dialogue acting, I'm not going to say is the strongest. I could have seen a lot of other actors in the role that would have mm -hmm. excelled. You know, throw Jake Gyllenhaal in there. It would have been fucking just amazing. But his emotive acting... Like, because this movie had a lot of long, quiet times. Yeah. With just, and you can see on his face, on his body, the, the weariness, the, you know, I'm just so done with this. Everything. It's striking. It was really, really well performed. Almost a stage presence watching him act. Okay. So I have had a long experience with the Path to Pattinson. But more of his early work. Obviously, I'm saving a lot of that for our upcoming episodes. But a lot of his latest work I haven't seen. And so I'm very, I feel, I just feel like proud. Cause I'm like, oh, look at how far he's come. Like, he did so good, kind of thing. Like, I'm kind of surprised, but not really surprised. And yeah, it just makes me excited for like what he can keep doing in the future. Yeah, not to bag on Twilight in advance, but I'm sure watching Twilight in a couple of weeks will put this even more into perspective where I will appreciate his performance <laughs> thus much more. You're going to see a massive jump in Twilight to this. Okay, Twilight's not about the acting. It's going to be about the story. <laughs> I know, but it's it's hard not to judge a lot of things in twilight him included yeah and in inverse this movie was pretty much just about the acting it wasn't so mm -hmm. much about the story the story was very just kind of it somehow went from a real something real and something normal to an extent you know two guys trapped in a lighthouse yeah. and then it just got started getting off the rails very quickly and then it got back on the rail like it kept going back and forth so for like from a linear story perspective, yeah, there's a lot that happened, but there's not a lot that happened at the same time. Well, in this movie, in my opinion, is one of those ones that you kind of ponder, like what aspects of the movie are real and what aspects might be kind of an illusion. There's a lot of ways to take this movie. You kind of find out later on that they're both named Thomas. And that one of the things I circle back on a lot when thinking about this movie is that they're both potentially the same character almost like a fight club situation and then you kind of get a flash of a third character later on in the movie as it progresses which is assumed to be you know the the second keeper that is presumed to be killed off by willem dafoe's character and i also feel like that's another another stage in the same character like they all are different stages of their life stuck there maybe it's it's far-fetched but i i think about it a lot yeah contemplatively there was a lot like i was going through like oh is he in purgatory and willem dafoe is god and he's trying to get into heaven and heaven's the fucking lighthouse like yeah, yeah. is he really stuck in the snow and he's just all imagining like what's like there was a lot of like what's the twist gonna be what it where is this going and honestly like while watching it i enjoyed coming up with those little like Ooh, what if because you gave us no like no head, head yeah. going into this. 
So I feel like I don't, I am still very much digesting this movie because it's a lot to take in. And it's just like, I feel like my brain can't pick of like where to even start. <laughs> so this is definitely one of those movies too that like, I especially like want to go and like look stuff up on the internet and try to have it explained. So I'm very interested in that that is the same person. Wow, I I didn't think of that at all. Yeah, this this movie definitely is a lot to take in, much like a, a little Debbie cake covered in <laughs> little Debbie ice cream. But yeah, even the theory about the two Thomases, like I had that same thought, like maybe like when he goes in the lighthouse, he comes out Willem Dafoe and he's got his old self there, but he doesn't remember it. Like who yeah. knows? And then there's fucking mermaids at some point. Willem Dafoe turns into Poseidon, God of the Sea. Like, yeah, what was that about? Like, I'm just so yeah. Like, I'm lost. So, like that that was the point where I lost it. Was like I'm watching it, and it's okay. You know, they, these two dudes, they get to the lighthouse, and they're gonna work there, and you know, presumably they're gonna go crazy. Yeah. What happened to the old lighthouse keeper? It's stormy. Like all that kind of fun stuff, and then all of a sudden, like Japanese pornography, <laughs> tentacles. Always fucking tentacles. Just out of nowhere. And I'm like, okay, now let's see where the fuck this is going. I think that's when I did the gamer moment of like leaning forward in my chair like, all right, okay. Tentacles. So the tentacles are what sucked you in. And that's one of those things where it goes back to, could it potentially be him just hallucinating? You know, he maybe this is something, it's hard to even fucking speculate, really. <laughs> or is Willem Dafoe just a torturous fucking demon of the lighthouse? And, and when you think about it, he kills him. He goes into the lighthouse, and all of a sudden, he's consumed. Like, he's the hire to to Willem Dafoe. Yeah, he's become the Dafoe. So maybe they are the same person after all. I, I did write another note in here that just said gas lighthouse. Because there was a lot of, like, you're crazy. We've been here for weeks. Willem Dafoe is a gaslighting motherfucker in this movie. <laughs> well, and then... That's where I kept getting confused too, because I was like, "Who is the Who is the crazy one?" I really don't know. Did it all even happen? Yeah. Like, and I think that's that's the beauty of a movie like this. There's so much that you can interpret for yourself. It's like, you know, I'm not an art museum person, mm-hmm. you know, but something like this, this is where I can see how people interpret art. It's like there's so much that I can take away from this that it could be that it could mean to me, mm-hmm. you know. That it's it's beautiful. It's just a perfect, beautiful film. It's a make it what you want movie. Yeah, almost like a choose your own adventure. And it's almost like talking about the twists. It's whatever twist you want it to be. Because there's just so many different takes you can have on this movie. Because it goes so many different directions. And I, I like that it's ambiguous at the end of it. There's actually a quote, another quote from the director that I read earlier that encapsulates, I think, the, the kind of way to describe a movie like this he says if we've succeeded in our efforts the ambiguity should be keeping you engaged as an audience and this movie as wild and bizarre and weird as it is hooks me from the second it starts and i just i can't look away from everything i'm seeing like he definitely achieved something special with this film yeah i definitely love a good like weird bizarre movie and you know they are hit or miss like they either work or they don't and this one definitely worked from from the get-go yeah, even with how slow paced it is, and just like the timing of it, it makes you like on the edge of your seat, like you're waiting for like the next dialogue or something, you know, like... Even in those slower paced moments, it keeps you eager, kind yeah. of, 
it, and it it draws you in even when there's nothing going on like you said snore it's just tense 24 7 and then if if it does get slow something wild fucking happens and you're like oh i guess i'm back in this rodeo yeah the pacing <laughs> definitely akin to the old style of the way that they shot it and the way that they were trying to the style that they were going for in this film um the pacing was very slow and it, you know i've never felt an hour and 40 minutes feel so much like three hours of my life <laughs> but the tension that it created with that with that stretch of time and the music and everything it just worked so well and i don't like i said earlier like i don't know if 2019 was a very busy oscar season or something but the fact that this didn't get more nominations is a goddamn crime it's well, i think it goes back to just how weird of a film this is like the oscars have gotten better about nominating films like this that 2019 i believe that's the year the parasite won yeah, best picture so it was a stacked year <laughs> I, I and i don't disagree with, with that decision obviously parasite is a fantastic film but if that can win why couldn't this at least get the nom yeah because i feel like it, it did get one nod for cinematography yeah which yeah. very very well deserved the shots of the spiral staircases and just the, the, the set so beautiful. They actually built this fucking lighthouse in every building that you see in this. Really? Yes. From the ground up. Yes, to fit the aspect ratio he was going for. And in, in the rooms, they wanted to be, they had to move things around a lot. So they built everything to scale. Jeez. Yeah. I thought a lot of that was like matte painting and stuff like that. Like, oh. honestly, that it's... Again, it's it, you know, then that throws back to again the style of the way that they shot things back in the nineteen twenties or thirties. You know, they would actually build full sets and not shoot everything on a green screen and a CG. It absolutely blew my mind to read that, and it how can you not appreciate the work and the effort put into something like that? It shows how much a story like this means to him. You know, we might not understand it the way he wants it to be told. But at the same time, I think that's how he wants it to be, too. It's so fucking confusing. Yeah, this movie definitely was a major mindfuck <laughs> the whole time. Okay, so what was the most mindfuckiest part for you, Snort? I think probably the the weird, uh, the really creepy weird scene that after it happened, I started laughing. And I had to explain to you guys that it reminded me of the the movie that Gabe shows at the <laughs> Halloween party in the office. Oh, so so you're referring to the Robert Pattinson masturbation scene? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely Robert Pattinson masturbating through Willy Wonka's tunnel. The the second scene, excuse me. <laughs> there was definitely a lot of Robert Jackinson in this movie. <laughs> I'm sure that's going to get toned down a little bit for Twilight. <laughs> Uh, there's some scenes. More sparkleless spanking. <laughs> no. Why has this whole podcast been about dicks? I guess when you pick the lighthouse, everything's gonna, you know. Well, think about who's in it. Willem Willem Dafoe. Dafoe. <laughs> yeah, the movie's so surreal and absurd that it's very difficult to actually like think about the progression of it because the entire thing kind of feels like a fever dream. That is the perfect way to explain like how I feel right now, trying to talk about this movie and so i'm just like what happened i don't know <laughs> if someone asked me what i just watched i i i don't i don't know right now <laughs> okay so a couple of things i do know is that there was mermaid maybe well I, like if if everything happened there might have been a mermaid potentially 
But if there wasn't, what is that representing? Or is it just there? I don't know. That's that's one I've had a tough time figuring out. I still, I'm still not sure. I don't have a hot take for that one. I don't have a hot take for a lot of this. <laughs> There's a lot that just happened, but it was still somehow beautiful and just amazing at the same time. Like, I don't understand it, but I love it. And I understand why I love it, but I don't understand it. It's hard to articulate it. Yes. It's hard to put a movie like this into actual words so okay. it might have not been the best choice for a podcast <laughs> okay how about this what what were some of your favorite parts even out of context what did you enjoy from this okay so my favorite parts um the willem dafoe scene where he's going all gordon ramsay on him <laughs> he just wants him to like a little lobster that's all i don't blame him the the scene where robert pattinson goes batshit crazy on a fucking bird <laughs> <laughs> just fucking murders the shit out of the seagull uh, Willem Dafoe doing an amazing, beautiful soliloquy while getting his fucking mouth filled with dirt. That's dedication. They actually filmed that on the second day, and he was not a happy camper that day. <laughs> Apparently, like, the water that he was laying in was freezing fucking cold, getting dirt thrown on him while he's trying to recite his lines. I think they said they did it, like, two or three times and pulled him out. And I think my last favorite scene out of all of it is Robert Pattinson getting eaten by seagulls at the end. And that one kind of has another fun way to think about it is potentially maybe he crashed onto this island. Yeah, that's where I was at at the very end. That was my last theory was like he was shipwrecked on the island and died there. And this was all just his hallucination as he was dying as to why he was on this island. Wow. And in his his illusion, it's almost as if the seagulls are what equals death to him. I thought of it as when uh, Willem Dafoe is doing his like big speech like his curse onto him he talks about like neptune like doing all this stuff and everything and the seagulls eating him and stuff and that in scene that's what made me think back to that so was willem dafoe like some crazy fisherman witch man putting (laughs) curses out if willem dafoe was poseidon there's the greek myth of prometheus he gets chained to a rock and the bird comes down and eats his liver every night and then it regrows so that end scene with Pattinson and the birds, maybe we've got a whole like Greek mythology type thing going on here. And this was a punishment by the, the sea god Poseidon. Maybe. That's one yeah. people do have done some dives on online. I've read about that a couple different times. It totally makes sense. So Snort, what was, what was a couple of your favorite scenes? <laughs> Were they all Robert Jackinson and the shirtless, <laughs> and the shirtless Robert scenes? No. I've been trying to think about this the whole time since you talked about your favorites. And I'm just still like nothing. Yeah, it was it was too much for your brain to actually like absorb and take in. Like it was that surreal that your brain's just like, I, think I can't. So. I can't. No. I, yeah. Like I watched it and I was very like in, engaged with it and watching it. But afterwards, it's just like, I think I'm just so lost from this movie. <laughs> It's just a very thought-provoking movie, and sometimes it takes a while to really figure out where you fall in line with it. It took me a week after the first watch to be like, yeah, I'm on board, okay. <laughs> because, yeah, it's you You get the, the end credits scene, it has this fun little jiggy song, and you're just like, um, okay. <laughs> that, was, that was cool. You know what I think about, though, is like, what did Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe like think when they got this script or anything? You know, like, wh- how what did they make of this movie? 
I can see in my head Defoe's reaction to reading this script. <laughs> and there's a big old Defoe smile at the end of it. <laughs> he was very on board for something like this. And I, I don't remember if he sought out Robert Eggers. He might have. I, I'm not sure. But he. this is something he really wanted to do. Pattinson, I know in this movie, going into it, wanted to get a lot of backstory about the character. It wanted to kind of figure out a little bit more to, to figure out where he needed to go acting-wise. And they wouldn't give him anything. They told him, you need to figure it out. And so what you get on screen is not entirely improvisation, but him kind of winging it on the fly at times. Still asking questions while he's acting, you know. Still figuring out the character, because I think he changes a lot as this goes on. You watch this descent of madness that ends up with this eruption at the end. Him just fucking berating Willem Dafoe. Talking about how he smells like a fucking dirty dick, pretty much. Again, with the dicks. The madness in this movie, multiverse of madness, no, the lighthouse of madness. Wow. <laughs> the most convincing spiral into insanity I think I've seen in a movie in a long fucking time. For as bizarre as it feels, it feels like the most real, weirdly enough. that What you're seeing is just how people feel on the inside in real life. But if we, if we let that bizarre side of ourselves out at times, that's what you fucking get. This descent into madness. Very existential. <laughs> Everybody hits this point, this lighthouse moment at some point in their life. We just try to push it as far away as we can. All right. And all of that was The Lighthouse. A beautiful film. I recommend it if you haven't watched it once or twice or maybe four or five times to really get the grasp of it. I recommend it. I implore anybody and everybody out there to watch this. Just please, if you do, go into it with an open mind and buckle up for the crazy ride it takes you on i am still very confused (laughs) and still trying to understand and wrap my head around this movie but i did enjoy it and i'm glad i saw it and you should too all right well that was our first stop on the path to pattinson coming up next we're going to take a small stop at the turnpike rest area yeah and get something sweet a sweet treat? A little sweet treat, because you know what's coming up? Valentine's Day. It's Valentine's Day. So we got a little Valentine's Day special that we've worked up. Uh, we're going to be watching a movie called They Came Together, which is Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler and pretty much every other comedic actor you can think of in a pseudo-parody of a rom-com, but also at the same time a love letter to rom-coms that's somehow funny and heartfelt at the same time. The Lighthouse had layers. This also has layers, but in a different way. I like layers no matter what form they come in. That's fine with me. We're going to the whole other side of the spectrum with this one from The Lighthouse. Anybody who listens to this know that if Paul Rudd's in it, that's all I need. Just a little celery man? Just a little celery man. I'm excited to see who all is in it also. Yeah, tons of fun cameos, tons of fun little jokes and little quips jokes and little quips yeah exactly (laughs) so i think it's gonna be a fun watch and i think uh you're both gonna enjoy it a lot and we'll have tons of valentine's yum yums for snackies (laughs) looking forward to it as always but once we get our bellies full of all those little sweet treats gotta get right back on that road right back down the path to pattinson gonna be jumping in with the twilight and then the twilight (laughs) and then the batman Guys, you have no clue how excited I am for Twilight. <laughs> I'm here for Twilight. It's, eh. And if you want to follow along with us on the path to Pattinson, 
Go find us on Instagram at Podcasts. Give us a follow. We're always posting fun stuff. Or go there to see our Little Debbie ice cream Sundays from today. Go rate us and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And guys, the most exciting thing has happened. We have a TikTok. <laughs> go check it out. Teach them a podcast on TikTok. Yep, we're also going to be uh, resurrecting our Twitter from the dead at Teach Them a Podcast on Twitter. So if that's the platform you prefer, send us a DM, send us a message. All right, that's going to do it, everyone. Uh, so if you see three salted lighthouse keepers <laughs> standing on the shore in a storm, smoking some marijuana, <laughs> sail over and say hi. Might just be us. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. Don't spill your beans. Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, that was a little hot. That was a little hot. All right, take it down a notch. Benedict Cumberbatch. Much Stop motion Guillermo yeah. del Toro yeah. Pinocchio. 100% Pinocchio. On board. So did a, a stop motion Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio. Wow, that's a tongue twister. <laughs> Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio. <laughs> My tongue is numb. That's, that's a new voice warm up. Forget better to cover back. <laughs> Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio. Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio. Okay, I got it down now. You sound like you were in House of Gucci for a second. It was very like Italian sounding. <laughs> I was thinking of pronounce Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio. <laughs> That's perfect.